Jess. I'm Amanda. And I'm Adriana. And the three of us make the Farm Babes podcast. Welcome to your weekly dose of serotonin. It's a mix of pharmacy education and pharmacy fun. With one pharmacy that I work with where a majority of patients were like, I'm literally only here for my medication. I don't have a shop. And we've had to turn them away and they get mad and I understand, like, whatever. Uh, but then at a grocery and, re- and pharmacy store and being like, hey, I'm so sorry. I need, like, 15 minutes. Yeah. You, it's, but sometimes, though, it's like some patients like, oh, yeah, let me do my shopping now. I'll go check out and I'll right. come back. And then it's literally patients, like, with their car and their groceries already, like, are loaded in bags. And I'm like, do you need to do more shopping? <laughs> and they're like, I've already shopped. Oh, I feel so bad. Um, but I'm like, well, buddy, why don't you just check the pharmacy beforehand shopping? <laughs> but that's a choice. It's fine. I guess. I've said that to a couple of people. I was like, hey, next time, like, stop by the pharmacy first. <laughs> but okay. It's so mad at me when I do um, that. And they're like, don't tell me what to do. I'm like, sorry. I'm curious because you've worked in kind of both settings. If you tell a patient, I can have your medication ready in like 30 minutes if uh-huh. you just like want to circle back around. Yeah. Do you think there's a significant difference between like where you're working now uh-huh. where they have like a nice store that they can shop around, buy uh-huh. other things, uh, and then come back to the pharmacy and buy their meds? Do you think that they're more likely to actually like come by and pick up their medications versus that other sort of pharmacy where there's not as good of a front store. Maybe they just like leave the pharmacy entirely and then wind up never coming back for their meds. Do you get the question I'm asking? I do. And here's the thing. I have noticed in the setting that I work in now retail wise where it's front store and grocery, 100%, I would feel like at least, let's say a good number, 85% of patients make, no worries, I'll be back in 30 minutes. And most of the time shopping for them, People are aisle searchers. Yeah. Sometimes people are just like, no, I'm here for three items. I'll be back in 15 minutes. Right. And our pharmacy has learned to be like, like, for example, if I have a patient come up and they have one medication ready, but they have a second that's literally in verification, like the pharmacist literally has to verify, put it in a bag, print out the label, whatever. I literally be like, give me one minute. Just stand right here and I'll get it done. I was going to say, no, literally, if it's in that stage of the filling process, I'm like, you don't move. Stop. You stay right there. Exactly. Don't leave the pharmacy no. at all. No. Because I'm like, there's no point of you being like, yeah. Oh, let me help the next person line because yeah. that next person line might no. be a 15 minute problem. And like, you never know. Honestly, I sometimes I don't even tell those people that their medication isn't ready. I'll just be like, oh, okay, one second. Hang tight one second. Let me go. Let me go grab it for you. Same. <laughs> no, literally, because they don't know the difference. Or yeah. very much, I'm, I, they're like the only person in line. I'm very honest with them. They're like, hey, Give me like two minutes. Yeah. Literally my pharmacist just has to put it in a bag and put it print label. And they're like, okay, cool. They're very chill. Usually I talk and I'm like, oh, how's your family? How's your dog? Right. I feel like in retail, especially where I'm where I'm working now, I do see a lot of similar faces. So I've gotten like better yeah. relationships with people. So I'm able to ask and, you know, be able to talk about their lives more. Yeah. And so I'm able to kind of like distract them. And then my pharmacist in the background is like, Know, making sure that everything's done right. but I don't know I feel like definitely comparing my experience with where I am now compared to a different company that I used to work at yeah. I definitely don't see as many pissed off patients right I do feel like the company I used to work at it did have a drive through whereas my pharmacy now does not and that does make a big difference however right. people in drive through if you tell them their medication isn't ready especially if the line the drive through line has been long yeah Oh, they get so mad. There was one time. Oh my God. It wasn't me. It was, I was working. This is not the company I work at now, but a different company where it was 7.58 and a patient goes up to the drive-thru and there's three cars behind. Do you like close at eight? We close right at eight. And this patient is a problem patient. Jeez. And he, and they were like, I need my Synthroid 75. We didn't have it at the time. Yeah. And he only took brand. He was really pissed off and we were like, we're so sorry. The only way that we can do that is you have to go to a different pharmacy, like yeah. a 24 hour because we closed literally in a minute and a half. Like, yeah. I don't, and he's fighting with, and the, literally the pharmacy, the floater at the time didn't get a crap. There was like, sir, we're closing. Shut the window on him. And no. it wasn't me because I was a tech or like a P1 intern. And I was like, okay. And then I remember Adriana, I remember like I clocked out, grabbed my stuff. I remember walking out of my car and where I had parked, I was able to see where the drive-thru was. Yeah. And that car was still there. No. Yeah. And I I, I, I felt bad. And I was like, I can't do anything. The pharmacy floor decided to do what they yeah. wanted to do. 
closed the window. She was over it. I think she ended up leaving the company, which I don't blame her, but ended up leaving the company. And I felt bad for the patient, but it was also like, dude, what do you want us to do? We don't have it. We have told you a solution and I'm sorry that it's frustrating for you. Go, please go to another 24 hour pharmacy that will maybe provide it. And they were like, give me a number of this and that. We're like, we don't have the time. Like, and this is kind of a fib, but sometimes I do. So like, pharmacists please use it or like patients if we if sometimes if we say this we might be lying sometimes i'd be like our system automatically shuts down at eight o'clock like we can't go in it yeah it's a lie sometimes i've had floaters like say that to patients i remember the first time i was working with a floater and they said that i was like oh my god no way i didn't know that (laughs) the floater just looks at me and they're like that's like not really true it's a lie yeah i had to do that with another customer it was 801 and we're like literally sh- turning the gates to get down, yeah. and the girl's like, "I need my medication." And we're like, and I'm like, "I'm so sorry, our farm are like our systems shut down automatically. Please come tomorrow." And I think yeah. I worked the next day and I saw her. But what I did the night before was I made sure it was ready in the bag for her because yeah. you can obviously when the da- gates are closed, you're able to work past in the system. And so her medication was ready. She yeah. came at like we opened at eight thirty or eight. She came at like ten o'clock. And I was like, oh my God, here you go. And she goes, wow, the medication is ready. And I was like, yeah, I just got it ready for you. No, I got it ready the night before because I knew you were coming back. Yeah, I think all of this kind of ties into, I have like a really good, am I the bad guy story? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, That's a later if session. If you want to hear about it. A little teaser. Yeah, a little teaser. So I was working one time and we closed our pharmacy at seven o'clock. Okay. And so a patient calls at 6.50 PM. And the patient was like, I'm 10 minutes from the pharmacy. Will you still be open? I said, sir, we close at 7. The patient was trying to pick up an antibiotic. So the patient was like, are you with me? Like, I need to start this antibiotic tonight. I need to have it tonight. I was I understand. But we close at 7 o'clock. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what else we can do. We close at 7 o'clock. That's the end of my job. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Sure. And the patient was like, I'm, I'm headed there right now. I'm 10 minutes away. And I was like, I understand, like, but have you actually left your house yet? Or have, are you just telling me that you're 10 minutes away? The longer we stay, like, on the phone with you ha- not having left your house, is more time eating into that 10 minutes away from the pharmacy you are. Was this medication ready? Do you remember? It was, was ready. Okay. I okay. had already filled it. Okay. Like, I was on filling that day. I had already filled it, so I knew that it was ready. I recognized the name. I knew who I was talking to. Mm-hmm. But I was like, we're still on the phone. I, you have not gotten into your car. You've not left your house. If your house is 10 minutes from our pharmacy, we've been on the phone for two minutes now. And you're still 10 minutes away. And he was like, well, I'm I'm on my way. I understand, but you haven't left your house. You're still 10 minutes away. I will be there in 10 minutes. I understand, but it's now 6.52. So you'll be there at 7.02. And he just, we keep going around in circles like that. And I was like, I understand that you're trying to leave your house and get to the pharmacy. But like, hear me when I say that like the pharmacy closes at <laughs> seven o'clock. And I don't know what else to tell you. Because first of all, like, I, I think I was uh, two maybe. I was like, I'm not volunteering to stay. I'm not volunteering my pharmacist to stay. Like, first of all, I can't stay and sell you this medication without my pharmacist being there. Sure. I'm not volunteering my pharmacist to stay and sell you this medication. And so, like, that was a whole fight that him and I had. And then at 7 o'clock exactly, we had a different patient come into the pharmacy to pick up their medication. So at 7.02, when this man showed up to the pharmacy... We just so happened to, to be still open. have the gate open. And he yelled. He was like, are you the person I talked to on the phone? And he like originally pointed at my pharmacist because she was the only other female who was working. So he originally points at her. So are you the person I talked to on the phone? And she was like, I, don't, I didn't talk to you on the phone. And I goes, I, I talked to you on the phone. And he goes, you shouldn't talk to people that way. You should be more respectful to them. I'm just trying to pick up my medication. I I understand. I'm trying to go home though. I know. And, and it's we're like close. you were trying to be understanding. You're like, hey buddy, yeah, you have a 10 minute drive, but you're eating two minutes yeah. of, her, of your drive right. Yeah. 
And so... <laughs> like, I get it because yeah. I've made exceptions for patients. Like, right. I have. Like, they've called and they're like, I'm literally two minutes away. Yeah. When do you close? And we're like, we close in 10 minutes. And they're like, yeah. I'll be there at 655. I'm so sorry. And it's like, it's fine. Like, whatever. We understand. And there have been exceptions, too, where I have helped people pass the time that we're closed. Yeah. And it's because I felt bad and it's like an, either an antibiotic situation or they're like, right. I just got off of work. Like I need to get my medication. Like I don't have any time. And it's like, okay, fine. Yeah. I had another situation where this girl was picking up her meds for like MRSA. It was like a vancomycin or something like oral or I don't know. She was picking up antibiotics and she had MRSA and it was 701. Well, no, it was six. 53 or something like that yeah and then she's like omg i forgot my wallet at home lol she lived really close drove back to her house picked up her stuff came back it was like 702 i'm literally pulling the gate and she's like well no my pharmacist was pulling the gate and she was like oh my god can i like pick up my bed and luckily i was still there because my first yeah. at the time was flustered and was like really pissed off and i like, didn't was like i want to go home which also you kind of yeah. need to be fair to the people that are working yeah. Because we have other lives. Like, I get it. Like, we're pharmacists. Yeah. We need to help people. But also, like, we need we need to go back to our own personal life. Right, we have exactly. kids. Or I don't have kids personally, but there are kids. There are families. We've got crap going on that, like, yeah. is bigger than you sometimes. Anyway. Yeah. But I was there. It was And, like, I had barely even collected the money out of the cash registers because we were so busy. And I was like, yes, I will. You can be my last customer. It's fine. Like, let me help you. She got her checked out. It was easy peasy lemon squeezy. Close the gate. It was like 7.15 by the, by the time I left because I still had to like clean up my station and this and that. But I've had patients like where the gate is closed and they're like, it's 7.15. They 15 yeah. minutes past our closing time. And they're like, oh, are you closed? Can you pick, can I pick up? And we're like, so sorry. Like we can't, we can't help you. Like we, right. we are still cleaning up. Like we have to go home. And I feel bad because, you know, patients obviously in their medications, it is important. Yeah. But there's also, there needs to be a line that cannot be crossed, a line yeah. of respect. You don't, as a pharmacist, as a healthcare professional, you do not have the right to walk over me or walk yeah. all over me. If you do, and I don't like it, I have the right to back myself up and to defend myself. Yeah. Don't yell at me. Don't be rude. I understand you might have other things going on in your life. I get it. And I'm really sorry, but please don't take it out on me because you yeah. will feel my wrath. And I'm sorry. I think that's why, like, back to my original story, I think that's why, like, that's such a good story of, like, am I the bad guy? Sure. Because, like, it could either, like, it could really easily go either in, like, my direction or in his direction. or theirs. Like, that is their antibiotic that they needed to pick up to treat an infection. And, like, absolutely, you got to start that as soon as possible. But also, like, I, as a healthcare professional, have a life outside of work that I have to get back to, and I am only obligated to be there during business hours. When my pharmacy manager came back, because it wasn't the pharmacy manager I was working with that day, it was his, his staff pharmacist was there with me. So when he came back, the patient, like, had filed a whole complaint about me and that interaction to him. Him and I obviously talked about it, and he was like, listen, like, you're not wrong like you you as an intern can't volunteer the pharmacist you're working with to stay past closing time and you as an intern can't just like single-handedly hold the pharmacy open but you also could have like found a different solution like you could have found a different pharmacy that was open and could have filled the medication for him to like go and pick it up from there or you could have like communicated in a different way like you can pick it up tomorrow morning or like different things like that and so I think that's like such a good classic example of like am I the bad guy because like I wasn't wrong no. but I also wasn't 100% right <laughs> no and I th but here's the thing I feel like re very recently within the last let's say five years I think it kind of blew up on TikTok I remember there was a video that um, I had commented where it was just a perspective of this girl, like, having interaction. I think it was, like, at a PetSmart. She was the employee uh -huh. at PetSmart. And there was a woman that was a customer who was a complete bad guy. And I had commented um, in all caps and then with, like, the hand emoji clapping, normalized talking back to people when it is necessary. Yeah. And that comment got over, like, 150,000. 
thousand likes or something wow. a lot of people had like i mean i could be wrong because i am tipsy but that's what my, my number thinks yeah but, or that's what my brain thinks as the number but so many people had liked it and i think very recently people as employees are starting to stand up for themselves because yeah. as we should because we are people with separate lives and i and again and i said this earlier i understand you have a hard time going on in your life and i'm so sorry that right. you have a sick relative or you were sick yourself it is absolutely shitty and i'm so so sorry and sometimes we are the doormat and sometimes we are the people that people yell at right and that's why as pharmacists we do have to have a thicker skin for it yeah but it's also at the same time like if i'm having a bad day and you yell at me you're gonna feel the wrath that I have held behind this freaking yeah. door. Do not disrespect me because it's the golden rule. Treat people how you want to be treated. Right. You're going to treat me like crap. I will treat you like crap the same. I don't care if I'm pay getting paid a, a pharmacist salary. Do not disrespect me. It is simply a line of being respectful versus disrespectful. Yeah. Like I under, like I get you frustrated. I want to help you. Yeah. I want to help you. Stop trying to make it an issue. Let me help you to get to a solution. And if it is not a solution that's going to help or that's not going to get to by the end of the day, I will sure as crap get to it by the end of tomorrow or the end right. of by two days. Yeah. There will eventually be a solution. Sometimes but in, problem solving like takes time. You have to give me time. Especially in pharmacy. Like, for example, like I had worked, you and I both have worked in like uh food industry. Yeah. I worked at, I've worked at Chipotle for years and I loved that job. I loved my company that I worked for, but there have been times like in, re in uh, food and food retail, it's quote unquote, I would say much easier to resolve an issue. Cause it's like, oh, I didn't like my food refund me. Right. Oh, I didn't like my food. I'm going to give you a bad review. It, it was food retail issues were easier to fix. Whereas retail pharmacy, if it's an insurance issue, if it's, yeah. it could take days. It's really good. And it's really crappy because it's like, crap, I want to help you. Yeah. But I can't because it's this third party or your insurance that isn't allowing this. And I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah. I like not that this is a really good like solution for that problem but mm -hmm. i always try to like let patients know that i'm like doing it as much for them as i physically can do i'm like hey listen i've called your insurance company but i'm going to tell you right now it's saturday and they're not going to do anything no, it's, it's, it's not going to get taken care of you can also call them mm -hmm. but once again it's saturday this is not going to get taken care of so all we would I'll leave a note for my coworkers on Monday. Mm -hmm. I won't be here on Monday, but I'll leave a I'll leave a note. They will do it. You can also call and make sure that like it's like first done thing on. Monday morning. Yeah, exactly. Make sure this is done. Yeah. That happens. I feel like insurances, there are times where I've called insurance companies on the weekends and there's like a on-call person, which is yeah. great. It's doctors' offices that aren't open on the weekends. Yeah. And literally patients are like Oh my yeah. god, it's Friday, 8 o'clock p.m. I'm on my last pill of Lipitor. Yeah. I need my medication, oh my god, zero like, refills. I'm out of it. I need refills. Like, okay, well, we sent the request actually a week ago for and, a new prescription. And it's your doctor's And they fault. haven't gotten back to us. Uh, the patient's like, well, I still need this. Like, I, I understand that you need it. But sometimes like, we give them like three day supplies or whatever to yeah. hold them over. But sometimes the there are times. The holdover supply we can give is like three days. And so, uh -huh. like, we'll do that. But like, if you think about that, like, okay, I can give you Friday to to like Monday morning. I literally Friday to Monday morning, and then by Monday you have to get in contact with your doctor. There are times. There are times where, literally, like we've sent a prescription request to a doctor, it's denied, and we have to call the patient. And we're like, yeah. "Hey, doctor denied it. We don't know why. You need to call them." And patients get mad at us, mm. and I'm like, "Your doctor denied it." <laughs> Yeah, like, this is somebody else's. This is not our issue. I'm just the middleman. Anyway. I, like, so the company I work for, whenever we get those, like, doctor denials, they always have the option to, like, just send a text message. Oh. I always send text. <laughs> I will never call you over this. I'll just always, like, automatically send a text message. If it's important enough to you, you'll either call me or you'll call your doctor. And you can 100%. call your doctor. I don't care call anybody but me <laughs> i had a patient call again i i could be misremembering they were needing their intresto and they needed a refill but the refill on file it was a 30-day supply of a specific dose no refills 
we had reached out to the doctor like three days before the weekend had started. Doctor never responded. And our system automatically resends it after like 72 hours. Yeah. I told the guy, I was like, hey, I'm so sorry. We haven't heard from the doctor. We've sent two requests. And they're like, well, can't you give me a day supply or however? And I was like, on this medication, technically we can't because it's, it's a 30-day supply with no refills. Plus, we don't even have the dosage in stock. Well, and also, he kind of cussed me out. He goes, isn't that F one you of the medications that has to be like dispensed in the stock bottle? Yes. Yeah. So like you, you can't, can't just, open like, it. give three doses. Like you have to give the entire bottle. There's certain. Oh, there was one. Like nitroglycerin, you can't take yeah, out the bottle. It has to be the whole bottle. The whole bottle. You don't have a prescription for the whole bottle. Sorry. There's Sorry. You do. Doctors, I think, kind of know that, finally. Yeah. Also, speaking of guidelines, I feel like this is very recently where in infectious disease, we learned that nitrofurantoin. Oh, nitrofurantoin. Oh, we're talking about, like, the 10-day supply. No, no. So, it used, so now it was seven-day, but now the guidelines say five days. But how, yeah. how long it takes for, like, yeah. an actual guideline to be implemented. Right. You Insane. and I, like, you and I literally thinking, like, oh, We looked at each other and we were like, it's no, a, it's five days. Like, we know this. It's a seven-day supply. And then the teacher was like, um, five oh. days supply. And we were like, no. no. <laughs> We've seen this in practice. That's seven days, doctor. I, and she's like, no, it's I five days. I think about that all the time. Literally uh-huh. the other day at work, I had a 14 days or 14 tablet. So like seven days supply of nitrofurantoin. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, somebody hasn't caught up on their guidelines yet. <laughs> Can you imagine emailing the doctor? Like, catch up on this. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, send a PR request. Excuse me. Excuse uh, me. Can you please catch up on this? Hello? I think your dosage is incorrect. It's incorrect. Thank you. Okay. okay. So that was another tangent, but that's great. It's fine. So now we're moving on to the customer turned patient era. We are out of the soda era. Out of the soda era. Also, unfortunately. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> or this era is also known as the lick, stick, pour, and more era. From the lick, 19- stick, pour, and more era. That should be a porn okay. category. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 1950s to 1979. Okay, so pharmacy education continued to evolve as pharmacy leaders acknowledged that a four-year degree was insufficient to prepare students to enter practice. The Doctor of Pharmacy degree was formally proposed in 1950, but because of continued resistance to its creation, a compromise was struck to establish the five-year Bachelor of Pharmacy program. The period is also marked by the divide between non-clinical and clinical activities, a topic that continues to stir heated opinions. (laughs) The biggest rift was, and remains, between dispensing and non-dispensing activities, hence the lick, stick, pour, and more era. During the 1950s, pharmacists began to step away from the soda counter, as they should. <laughs> we are not um, soda jerkers. What's the yes? But what what's the restaurant? Uh Ruby's Diner. Ruby's. Ruby. We are not a Ruby's Diner um, <laughs> server. During the 1950s, pharmacists began to step away from the soda counter and back behind the pharmacist's window. However, they were still mostly dispensing medication, not clinical advice. By 1950, only 25% of prescriptions were compounded, and thus, the majority of prescriptions were dispensed as commercially produced products. Ethical standards at this time still prohibited pharmacists from discussing medications with patients. And while it might be shocking by today's standards, many prescription labels didn't list the drug name because there was a common... uh Uh-huh. Because there was a commonly held idea that labeling the vial would violate the physician, would, I cannot say this, would violate the physician-patient relationship. Okay. Right? So, hold on. Uh, it's like a really common joke in pharmacy. Like, oh, I don't know what this like little white pill you're describing is, right? Because yeah. mm-hmm. you have to be more specific. Mm-hmm. So, how... How would a patient, like, for example, because I'm, like, your bottles aren't labeled. I'm assuming these patients still had, like, a lot of the same problems. So, like, you can have compounding 
disease states like you might have diabetes and hypertension and hyperlipidemia like all like building up on each other mm-hmm. so you're obviously taking like multiple medications at the same time if they're all little white pills and none of your bottles are labeled how would you know like you just you don't know what you're taking right how like, would they know how would they know <laughs> they're gonna know <laughs> they won't know technically but then um, also like I, I don't know like that just really bothers me like from from a standpoint side effect you don't know which medication is causing you side effects and uh as a patient like i am just somebody who really likes to know things sure even if i don't like fully 100 percent understand it i would like to know the name of the medication that i'm putting in, i'm putting in my body and i would like to know the potential side effects of it and so like this whole we're not even gonna label the bottle era of pharmacy blows my mind like i i cannot comprehend it like from where i am like with today's pharmacy practice that is incomprehensible can you imagine hey oh this white pill uh makes me sick which freaking (laughs) one buddy exactly you don't have it labeled do, do you know the numbers Oh, do you know what it's used for? Oh, we're SOL. But luckily, again, with the technology, we can be like, okay, you last picked up this medication 40 days ago. Is it maybe this one? Or is but back in the day, they may have 15 pills that are white, but they could be different shaped and could be used for different things. Well, and also, like, if you think about, like, a drug interaction standpoint, too, like, this thought just occurred to me. A really big part of a pharmacist's job is to catch drug interactions. And mm-hmm. So, like your cardiologist may have prescribed something, and then your general medicine doctor like prescribed something else, and like those drugs have an interaction, and neither one of them knew that you were off the other medication, but your pharmacist knows, and they catch that. And I suppose like back in that time, maybe they didn't know a lot about drug interactions, so like it wasn't really something that they could have caught, but. If you don't label the medications that you're taking, if you, if your pharmacist isn't allowed to know these things, then they're not able to catch those things. No, either. and I think that's a whole again a whole other discussion versus like my cardiologist and my PCP, and they don't know. Yeah. But then the pharmacist is like, "Oh my god, you're on two meds that literally interact with each other," and then you yeah. have to talk to two different doctors, right? Being like, "Hey." By the way, did you know this person is, has a cardiologist that's prescribing this med, but the med that you're prescribing, it interacts. Like, who needs to change right. what? Yeah. It's a game of telephone sometimes. It really is. And so. unfortunately, like, it's the patient that has to relay all of this between healthcare. Because, uh-huh. like, your pharmacist can't really call your doctor and your doctor can't really call your pharmacist. No. Or, or your doctor's not going to call another doctor. And, like, they're not going to communicate in that way. So it's like the patient has to call each one of those healthcare providers to explain the situation to them. Yeah. And I'm like, what a game of telephone. And the fact that we've chosen like the person with the least medical understanding to execute. Oh, like the patient. Of- yeah. Because yeah. like the patient doesn't understand like any of the medical terminology no. or the how and why between like certain medications or diagnosis. We're- that's the person. That's the person we've chosen. To be in charge of our game of medical telephone. But patients also should be in charge of their health. But also patients don't, sometimes patients don't have the knowledge. And then to have the patient call a a doctor's office who may not be open, who may not, you have to like leave a voicemail sometimes and may not even get to it. It's, it's awful. Like it's the healthcare system needs improvements. Yeah. So anyway. We love living in America. Love it. So we're still in the uh, 1950s to 1979. Okay. Porn category of pharmacy. The what? The porn category. The porn category. The lipstick porn more. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Eugene White is widely credited for his significant contributions in transforming pharmacy practice during this period from, um, from one focused on no questions asked dispensing, soda fountains, and lunch counters to one focused on patient care. First of all, we have three different names. We have Marshall, Louis, and now Eugene. <laughs> Isn't Eugene Oregon a state or a country? No, not a country. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, a, a capital. A capital. That's what I mean. Eugene. Isn't Eugene Oregon? Am I thinking wrong? Isn't it Portland, Oregon? Oh, God. Isn't there a city called Eugene? City? 
in America. Definitely not a capital. No, not a... Mm. In America. You said capital. I didn't mean capital. Oh, did I? Oh my god. City in America. No, City in America. Called. <laughs> Called. Eugene, welcome to Tipsy Trivia. Or Tipsy Pharmacy Trivia. <laughs> Eugene is a metropolitan center at the head of the Willamette Valley... Approximately 110 miles south of Portland. Okay, it's not a capital, but there's a city called Eugene, Oregon. Eugene White started modeling a transformational shift in how pharmacies could be run with an enhanced focus on patient care. Some of his innovations would come to define what many people of the post-war generation would think of when they thought of pharmacy, including detailed record systems to keep track of a family's prescriptions, a support staff to help with administration in patient care, and more availability to counsel patients on medications, drug interactions, and other clinical concerns. In the inpatient setting, hospital satellite pharmacies were piloted and expanded. This made hospital pharmacists the provider of sterile compounded products, unit dose meds, and drug information. Previously, these services were provided primarily by nurses working on the floor. For decades, pharmacists were instructed to avoid counseling patients directly, but now that behavior was being viewed as an important part of their role. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So it took us all this time to Mm -hmm. finally get there. Yeah. So now we're from the porn era (laughs) into (laughs) the quote-unquote pharmaceutical care era, which goes... Our our reformation. Reformation. From the 1980s to literally, it says exactly, 2009. (laughs) While the University of Southern California, also known as the University of Spoiled Children. (laughs) Did you make that up? No, that's not it. I made it up. Well, I didn't make it up personally, but I've heard it throughout that the USC is called the University of Spoiled Children. No shade. It's just what it's called. I was trying to go to USC. That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. You say that like it's not fine. No, it's fine. Absolutely, it's fine. No, I, I, I'm glad I never went I, there. I've so. just heard it's a very expensive school and that like a lot of people, yeah. like, again, I could be wrong. That but. was like one reason where I was like, I'll apply. Like, oh, no. no. <laughs> so, no shade, but the University of Southern California was the first pharmacy school to adopt an all-doctor of pharmacy curriculum in 1950. Okay. Good for you. Mm-hmm. The AACP rejected a proposal to make it the standard entry-level degree as recently as 1985. However, in 1989, the Accreditation Council for Pharmacy Education, ACPE, published an intent to make the Doctor of Pharmacy the standard by the year 2000. This era was when patient counseling became a more widely adopted and mandated pharmacist activity. The Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act of 1990 required patient counseling. A study conducted shortly after its passage confirmed that the legislation increased the frequency that pharmacists counseled patients. Can I just, like, stop here? I think that's so interesting Mm because I know, like, we learned about this. In law. Yeah, we literally Mm -hmm. learned about this. And I think, like, this really puts it into perspective of, like, pharmacy as we know it today has not been this pharmacy profession for like very long yeah like 2009 yeah if you think about like the last era ending like 2009 and then like to where we are now like that is that is not a lot of time and even like in the 1920s to like now like that's a hundred years of pharmacy relatively speaking in comparison to other professions that is not a long time Mm-mm. for a profession to exist. So, like, this is a very young profession, and it's a very new per- profession. And I think that's really reflective of, I guess, like, everything that we're seeing right now. Because more than anything, like, a lot of pharmacists keep saying, like, the current climate of pharmacy cannot continue how it is. Mm. And it can't continue how it is. Because pharmacy as a profession still has so much like growing and expanding to do and so much more that we have to like offer to the healthcare realm 
and we can't be limited by like where we're at. So we have to continue to like grow and how, expand. How pathetic is it that as pharmacists, we know the, all the mechanism of action of medications. Like we literally know how medications work and we don't have any prescribing authority. Yeah. Make it make sense. Right? Make it make sense. I think it's so sad that we have healthcare professionals who are only in it for the money and they don't care about yeah. patients. And it's, I'm like, if you're not in it to care about people, get the hell out. Like, right. sorry, like, excuse my mild yeah. language, but get the heck out because it's not okay for you to only be in it for the money. Yeah. I'm in it to help patients. Yes, the money's a great, you know, quote unquote side effect. I don't know. It's a great <laughs> thing to have because I do live a quote unquote, I would say, lavish lifestyle. And it's nice to have right. the money. I'm not in it for the money. I'm, and what I've said in my first episode, I want to be the person that makes a difference in people's lives and yeah. that people remember. Yeah. And I think, like, something I've said to you personally before is, like, mm-hmm. this is hard. Yeah. This is a lot. Like, going through, getting the degree, doing the job in and of itself. Like, I currently work retail. and Like, that is a hard job. I'm not doing that for the money. No. <laughs> like, there is there is no singular amount of money that is going to make crying every single day during P3 year me. okay. Like, there's, there's literally no, me. There is no amount of money to make that okay. Or to make that better. Or to make that experience worth it. You go through the sacrifice. You go through it because you're passionate about it. Because you care about it. And so, like, if I didn't care about patient care or improving patient health or if I wasn't passionate about, like, psychiatric pharmacy, any of those individual things, I would not go through this. And so I simply... I just don't understand those people who are like only in it for the money or things like that. Like, I don't get you. I really don't. Like, I you've wonder... made a sacrifice for something that I fundamentally don't think is worth it. I agree. I don't get you. And I think people, and again, maybe some of the people who are only in it for the money, like, are the eight, like, C's get degrees type mentality. Yeah. Because they don't care about patient how they're like oh i'm in it for the money right. c's get degrees it's fine yeah who knows the comment that you made about like crying during p3 year that was literally me like three times <laughs> a week my sister could attest to this like i had sent her yeah. voicemails we had been on phone calls several times i didn't even need to see it happen you <laughs> do. we would be on zoom and you literally asked me the simplest questions of kinetics and i have a breakdown and i'm like i need to log off because i didn't want to see it was it i didn't was want not- you to see me crying <laughs> i was like i need to get off and there was, like, a study session where it was, like, again, I moved to you guys. It was a simple question. To me, it wasn't. And I was, like, I need to log off. And I, like, texted you guys, like, an hour later. And I'm, like, I'm so sorry, but I will not be able to log on because I've been crying for the past hour. And I don't and want I you to see so me red face. that happened, I was, like, I love you so much. <laughs> and, like, I... I'm not trying to make this worse on you. You're, <laughs> and you literally weren't. You were... You were... Audrey, you were tutoring me and you were so sweet and you were so kind, but you were also like, I'm not going to baby you through this. I need yeah. to use your brain power and let's figure it out together. Yeah. And again, as a study method, that's what helps me personally. Right. And so you were like, what's this? Literally, like maybe two, it was like a two plus two. And I was like, I don't know. I need to go. I think, you know what? Like in defense of you in that scenario, I think. <laughs> throughout this last appy that I've been on where like that's literally been my job I've actually learned how to explain some of those concepts better there was probably a lot of Jessica's yeah. <laughs> actually there is like I think about you so much thank I you thought so much on that appy thank you um, somebody would like ask me a question and I'd be like you know what like Jessica had this thing <laughs> <laughs> I'd like explain it to them and if like it didn't click for them I'd be like okay let's try it like this way and after, like, several, like, trial and errors, yeah. like, you were my first trial and error, mm-hmm. and then, like, a couple more students in this one, I finally figured out, like, how to explain it, like, to make it click for everybody. And mm-hmm. then I explained it to them that way during their workshop session, and they were like, oh, oh I get it. <laughs> but sometimes, like, for me, like, even when my husband and I have, like, chit-chats or whatever, he yeah. will say something, and I'm like, huh? And it will take him, like, I, I literally have to communicate to him, like, can you please say this in a different way? Use yeah. different terminology. Use different language 
to make me understand. And he will like right. two or three times later. And I'm like, ah, now I understand. Right. Now I can communicate what I'm feeling or whatever. That's how it is as an academic teacher. Yeah. So many students learn differently. Yeah. And that's how it was with me. Yeah. I had to be on a very basic level and that's fine. It wasn't a very basic level. Mechanics was hard. You just got it because your brain was just like, like that. And I was like, oh, love that for you. Teach me. This is, that's like the same brain where like I literally taught myself calculus in high school. Mm, Well, there you go. That's the same brain. So I, you know, kinetics was not going to be an issue for me. Which you were literally like, I think if you had, obviously you knew you were a kinetics queen, but I feel like if it was more like if the class knew you could have run that class. Yeah. The workshop, those Thursday afternoons. Easy. You stand up there. Okay, guys, this is how we're going to do the math problem. Yeah. Oh my and God. I don't think that I had like the confidence to do that then because mm-hmm. there was like still some things that I like wasn't really getting or like some things I was misunderstanding. But after having gone through like this experience and like going through all of the material again and having to explain it like literally every single day over and over again, I was leading their kinetics workshops. They were coming up to me with questions about like, okay, well, why did you use this formula? Oh, I used like I no no problems telling you exactly why I used this formula to solve it or where that formula was coming from. Whereas like back when I was taking kinetics, I didn't know that yet. And so like sometimes it's just the amount of time that you spend with the material. Sure. Like, the second time through. I do genuinely, I didn't set out on this app you to like learn more about kinetics. But you did. But I did. I genuinely feel like I did. Well, I feel like every time, like my class, like you and I had classes at the same time, like one to three, I'd be done around 2.30 to 2.50. And I would wait outside your classroom. It's like 3.30 and I'm like, dang, you're still talking to people. And that's fine. Yeah. And they're they're trying to learn and that's totally fine. And I'm working on a different assignment. But I'm like, good for them. Yeah. Because I feel like we didn't have an Adriana in our P3 year. Right. We didn't have anybody to kind of go off of. We had, you know, other professors, but they weren't as, like, passionate as I feel like you were about kinetics. So. And I think it's really hard, too, because, like, I've spent a lot of time talking to those professors who, like, facilitate those, like, Thursday workshops Uh in kinetics. And first and foremost, the problem is, like, they're only part-time professors in the university. So they're not there every day during lecture. They're not, like, doing the homework problems. Um, It it might be similar to things that that they do in practice, but, like, let's be honest, in practice, you're never going to pull out, like, a full logarithmic graph and be like, let me assess like the the concentrations of the body right like that's not gonna be a real life situation and so like I definitely wasn't a perfect like person like I I couldn't perfectly explain everything to them Mm -hmm. but it was at least a step above that where like I was in class with them I worked through all of the problems with them if I didn't know I went and looked it up and came back to them later and like explained to them what I found out Um, And they just don't have that sort of follow through with anybody else. And I think that's more so the issue than anything else in the course. I think another thing that had popped in my brain while you were talking was as a real life pharmacist, like, yes, you need to know formulas. You need to know that you need to learn everything that is in pharmacy school. It is important. But a lot of stuff you use like online calculators that are verified. And it's like, yes, it's, I don't think it's unfair, like as a nap when you're taking the NAPLEX and the MPG, yeah. the MPJE. MPJE is the law for those who don't know. Also, because my sister had messaged me, she was listening to our podcast. She's so sweet. She's like, "What does JD mean?" And I was like, "Oh, it's a Juris Doctor." So for those who don't know, JD is a Juris Doctor, which is a law degree. So my friend Amanda had talked, or our friend Amanda had talked about it. That's what JD means. We're episode three. So that's the explanation. But anyway, I feel like as a real life pharmacist, you do use a lot of calculators where the math in your brain, you technically don't need to use as what you learned in school. But it's important to know. For me, like, I really like to know the how and why between. Sure. Or like for the calculations that I'm doing. 
So like, okay, great. You can tell me this formula, but like, why is that formula true? And that's what I need to understand in order to do the calculations. And then once I understand that, like once I understand the why and the how, I am unstoppable when it comes to math. Like you, you have seen me. There's not a single thing that I can't figure out once I understand the how and why. And but like for actual pharmacy practice, you don't need to know the how and why. You and like so much of kinetics, I feel like, is the how and the why. And you don't need to know that, like in actual pharmacy practice, like you said, you have calculators that'll do the math for you or I've seen just places that have a simple like chart mm-hmm. and it's like for vancomycin dosing you have a weight and you have a creatinine clearance and you find where those like, like you find where those coincide on the chart and then that's the vanco dose x and y axis uh like administer to a patient and like, there's no more thought to it than that mm-hmm. and then you get your trough level back and, like is that what we expected no okay we'll adjust it in this way or yes great we'll just leave it where it's at uh so like in actual practice you don't need to know the how and why you're not really doing the math Uh, and i think like it's i personally need to know those things otherwise like vancomycin dosing for me would forever just be some great mystery because you tell me to like match two numbers on a chart and i'm gonna be like Great, but what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, another thought, again, a tipsy thought that yeah. got into my brain as you were talking was, okay, have you ever seen the movie 2012? Like, where the world is ending, and oh, then, like, a yeah. certain amount of people make it to the boats, and, like, the world uh-huh. is, you know, whatever, drowning in water. Yeah. Technology is gone. Like, can you imagine, like, five or six pharmacists coming together as they have survived this 2012 type of co- apocalypse, <laughs> and they're like... Oh my god, we don't have technology. How do you do AOC? No, 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 kinetics. Literal kinetics. Like, or, like, all, you know, imagine certain books are forever lost. Like, several thousands, millions of books are forever lost. Yeah. Whether, you know, just in, in, in pharmacy. Yeah. You would, as, like, if if you knew the world was ending, I don't know who, if the government has done this, but, like, do they keep every book on file? God forbid, the end of the world something happens <laughs> so, okay Adriana like zombie apocalypse you yeah. gotta think there's gotta be like an underground government facility yeah. that's like all right we're gonna save all the famous I, people or whatever I'm not trying to figure that out okay that's fair have I ever told you that yeah. I'm trying to die <laughs> <laughs> me I'm trying yeah. to survive not like actively right now to clarify. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> Adriana. But like in in the case of like the end of the world, like Come like your house. example, like there's take- five pharmacists left in existence. Not me. It's not Adriana. Me. I'm trying not to be that. No, person. you need to survive because you're the kinetics queen. Just come to my house. Come to my in-laws. We'll figure it out. My sister, if you're listening to this, you and my family, just come to Arizona, come to the in-laws figure it out we will if there's no communication i'm telling you now come to the in-laws house i want to survive i i'm a survive i'm a survive i'm a survivor i'm not trying to survive why that doesn't sound fun but i'm protecting you is that enough i appreciate that so much I want to like love and protect everyone in my family, in my yeah. in my like, man life. So I was just, like, <laughs> I want to survive, and like I would be like shown in. I don't, I don't know if I'm saying her her name right, but in Walking Dead, she has like those like knives. Yeah, bam, bam, bam. that's me. That's it's me. just it doesn't sound fun to me. It sounds like <sighs> an awful time. It, it, I mean, it's gonna be awful. Yeah. But just, so like, why would I do that? But like, just I'll take care of you. <laughs> it's, it's so it's good. Be awful. But we'd be it'd be awful, but we'd do it together. And then when we survive and the world is okay, you and I'd be with a pharmacy. And what point is the and world? And Amanda too. She'd do regulatory affair no, and listen, industry. Listen, like there, if the world <laughs> collapses, like if there's if there's a world-ending event, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but farm babes is not. No. <laughs> How dare you? No, the farm babes are continuing, and it is it is in our contract. We we. Shook hands by 
by blood. How dare I'm you? Kidding. No. Have you like in it the movie It? They like cut their hands and they do like a blood circle. I've not seen that movie, but I know oh. the concept. Yeah, yeah. So they cut. They all cut their yeah. hands. Like five or six kids, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna stay together forever." Right. And then like they do the sequel. The sequel, by the way, was fine up until the ending, and the editing was absolute. It looked like okay. I'm gonna spoil spoiler alert. So the ending, like in it, the clown turns into a spider, or and then the spider like turns back into the clown, and then the clown becomes a baby. And I'm like, I was literally in the theater. I was literally laughing. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, this is not a horror film anymore. What I feel like this is a whole other tangent. Horror films recently have gotten so bad in their editing, and I'm freaking over it. I'm like. What happened to the good old days of, like, good old-fashioned horror? Like, nowadays, the editing is so bad. It's not scary. Here's the thing. When I ever... I do get freaked out in, like, scary movies. But then I, the second I find out who the bad guy is or, like, what the story is behind the bad guy, I'm like, yeah. oh, I get it. I'm not scared anymore. <laughs> like, I watched the movie... Smi- Matt and I watched the movie Smile... Well, here's the thing. I actually tried to watch Smile by my by myself. Yeah. And then the first, I like, oh, could only watch the first 15 minutes before I had to pause because literally the screen. Sh- there's a scene. If you guys have seen Smile, you know what I'm talking about. Also, this actress, she was in 13 Reasons Why as she played Skylar. She's great. Love her. But anyway, she uh takes a, uh she pours wine into a glass, closes the refrigerator leans against the refrigerator as she's drinking and then the camera and it pans to like a dark ass corner and you see someone staying there and I went uh pause that I paused it and I turned it off and I turned on like the Harry Potter um yeah. reunion and I was like I need something happy I need something I need something like because I couldn't watch it by myself yeah. and then Matt and I watched it together and it was fine and then again the second I found out the story and then the ending was just like awful i was just like this isn't good like why do movies have to have such a bad ending okay so we're still in the 1980s to 2009 era we're gonna be up so late and it's great okay so non-dispensing activities also expanded uh, the American Pharmacists Association launched its immunization program in 1996. How young? I was born <laughs> in 97. I'm 26, so it's 27 years old. Babe. It's a year old. She's slaying. <laughs> She's slaying. And by 20, 2004, about 15,000 pharmacists and pharmacy students were trained immunizers. Mm. Pilot projects in the 1980s began for what would eventually become Medication Therapy Management, MTM. Mm-hmm. The Medication Modernization Act, passed in 2003, created Medicare Part D and mandated MTM services to be included in Part D benefits. This mandate led to the realization that pharmacists would finally be able to become more involved in the direct management of patients. In the 1990s, pharmacists also began to increase their role as community immunizers by administering vaccinations, allowing pharmacists to immunize patients on site. It's on site. No. On site. No. At pharmacies was a critical reason for the increase in the immunized population going into the new century. Pharmacies became critical vaccine distribution sites for national and more localized outbreaks. This was most recently observed in the pandemic of COVID-19. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> okay, so now the last era is called an evolving landscape. Oh my God. 2010 to the present. The first pharmacy residencies were accredited in 1963, but they really took off in popularity recently. As of 2018, 29% of all pharmacy students were pursuing a residency. And I think that's, like, higher now. I was going to say only 29%. Oh it's higher. It's definitely higher now. It's got to be. Double the rate compared with just nine years before. And I'm sure it's probably, like, double. So it's probably, like, double now. Now, yeah. Pharmacists have continued to expand into other areas, like population health management, and for quite some time, 
there has been a push for provider status. Yes. As I've been saying, uh, we should, uh, <laughs> which would allow pharmacists to bill Medicare per fee for patient care activities. Pharmacist-led immunization services have also continued to grow. Today, all 50 states allow pharmacists to immunize. Pharmacists play a central role in managing vaccine-preventable diseases, such as COVID-19. MTM, on the other hand, or man, man medication therapy management, on the other hand, continues to struggle with poor reimbursement. So while it has been expanded and still holds a lot of potential for the advancement of pharmacy, it faces challenges that pharmacists must work to overcome before it can have its full impact. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, pharmacists have provided coronavirus testing and immunization services. Legislative changes have allowed pharmacy technicians to also provide both COVID-19 testing and a wide range of immunizations providing or broadening the capacity of the United States healthcare system to respond to the increased pressure it faces. As of November 9th, 21, close to 163 million doses of the COVID-19 vaccine have been given in retail pharmacies. Oh. So we've made a pretty damn good impact, I would yeah. say. In the current era, we've seen a rise in the patient care and non-dispensing activities that began to crop up in previous decades, immunizations, patient counseling, and other responsibilities are becoming an increasingly large part of what a pharmacist spent their day doing. A focus on partnering with healthcare providers is key to empowering the pharmacy practice to continue to evolve and expand its patient care role. Pharmacists currently provide myriad benefits to our public health, and growing these services will become an increasingly key part of the pharmacist's role. This includes playing larger roles in reducing drug costs amid an aging population and an explosion of high-cost specialty medication. To do this, pharmacists must be reimbursed not only for dispensing, but also for cognitive services and must be able to demonstrate both the financial and clinical benefits of the services they provide. Pharmacists must also shift further away from dispensing, which itself has seen declining reimbursement and continues to evolve through robotics and expanded pharmacy technician roles. Pharmacy education must change to meet these needs with a greater emphasis on topics like pharmacogenomics, health economics, and public health. So the bottom line, pharmacy has been an ever-developing profession for nearly two centuries and has to continue evolving to thrive in an ever-shifting healthcare landscape. Starting from the 1820s, when the first pharmacist licenses in pharmacy schools were founded until today, the advent of pharmacogenomics and population health management, pharmacists have played a central role in the country's healthcare system. One thing that came in my brain, I've said that like six times today, it's fine. Yeah. My sister, uh, we send voice memos to each other and she's so sweet because she's like, you know, I'm picking medications up for somebody in my family. And I think it's like really annoying that the pharmacist is like, do you need to be counseled about this medication? And, and it's like, because sometimes like the pharmacist like re literally just like read off the bottle right. as like a counseling session. My sister's like, I can read this off myself. Like, I don't understand like, right. what the point is. But, like, and I, and I, I like, laughed because I was like, yes, it's true. But it's also, like, we're also there to, like, making sure, like, hey, are there any interactions? Right. Like, are you sure you're – this person's supposed to be taking it? Yeah. You're also the patient's caregiver, so let's make sure that you know how to give it correctly. Right. And I told my sister that. And she's like, oh, I guess that makes sense, blah, blah, blah. But I just think it's really funny. So. Next time, because we have talked for so long, we will go into the different pharmacy avenues and some pharmacy fun facts. And then next time, next time, next time, we will go into Am I the Bad Guy pharmacy <laughs> stories. We started recording at like 9 o'clock. We listened to Taylor Swift. It is now 12.23 in the morning. <laughs> we talked so much. We are tie-tie. That's a poll I should do. Like, do we should we... Like, do we do one hour or two hour episodes? Because I'm. You guys let us know. Yeah. Let us know, like, what length of episode you want us to 
Some people like short, some people like yeah. long. We're not going to be able to please everybody. Yeah. So it's just the majority. Yeah. So. Thank you for listening to us talk and ramble about Tipsy Drunk Pharmacy. Yeah. And we will see you next time. It's been a good time. It's been a great time. Until next time. Until next time. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening and being a farm babe. Join us next week for your weekly dose of serotonin. As we encounter more pharmacy-related content and not-so-pharmacy-related fun.